My name is Ryan B. Hebert, alongside Jacob Schrader, and today we have our very special guest, Bulldog1205. Now, the last time we featured Bulldog in our podcast, it was episode 7 of the Esports Forever podcast. We're about 30 episodes later, and it's quite a treat to have you back on the pod. Bulldog, how are you doing today? I'm doing outstanding. Thanks for having me. Uh, a lot's changed since then. A lot has changed. Speaking of, Jacob, a word about our sponsor, EMP.money. Of course. Thanks, Ryan and Bulldog. Great to have you. I got a few things to say. First off, EMP Money as our sponsor. Great to have them as always. They actually recently added EMP as a purchasing option to Splinterlands, and they just announced a version of their detonator contract called the Generator uh, that's actually going live tomorrow. Um, so very exciting stuff. That contract takes SPS BNB, uh, similar to the detonator, similar to the reactor on EMP. Uh, and that's really exciting. Additionally, uh, we've got an upcoming Splinterlands tournament with EMP, the Zen Sportsians and Emperors. Uh, Bulldog is going to be there. It's going to be a Silver League modern format tournament for $5,000 in prizes, half USDT on Zen Sports, half EMP uh, via Binance Smart Chain. That's coming up on October 1st. Very exciting. And then also we are running the Play App Extravaganza contest right now uh, and giving away $5,000 over the course of the month. Uh, this contest started about nine days ago, so we're nine days in. Um, but every Sunday we do multiple prize drawings, uh, one for someone who has downloaded the app, another for someone who has retweeted uh, one of our tweets. And then at the end of the month, uh, there's a referral bonus for whoever refers the most people. But, you know, Without without saying any more, Bulldog, it's great to have you. Uh, looking forward to this. Oh, absolutely! Always, always fun to talk Splinterlands, NFT gaming, any of that stuff. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And so, starting off right away, the last time we had you on the pod, Bulldog, you had just just become and or had just found out that you would be the community manager for Splinterlands, and in that time. In that time, I've, I've popped into many town halls, and I've seen you posting left and right, doing your job, that sort of stuff. Very simply, uh, a lot of us got to wonder, how has that been for you? You know, you started off as this big content creator in the space, and that still hasn't stopped, I assume. And I've kind of seen a little bit of posting here and there. But uh, with the community manager job, I'm sure it's a lot. So how's, how has that been? Oh, it's been great. It's uh, It's... It's uh, basically a dream to be able to just interact with the, the Splinterlands community um, pretty pretty much 24-7. So helping out players, talking to talking to guilds, um, kind of in a way just being an ambassador for the game and, uh, and trying to help it uh, help the game, help the community grow. And it's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it certainly beats being a pharmacist, that's for sure. <laughs> that's uh, that is... Been Sorry, there's, there's been quite a lot of exciting things going on in, in the Splinterlands. Maybe you, you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, Rift Watchers, node licenses. I'm sure it's been a lot of work for you fielding questions, but, uh, you know, in, inform us and our viewers about what, what the new recent releases in Splinterlands have been. Oh, yeah, there's been, it's, it's been a whirlwind just the last, last month or so. Um, basically, when, when Splinterlands... So during the, the bull market last year, sold all these chaos packs, raised all this money, that type of thing, used that to basically go expand, expand the team. And it took a while for, for everything to kind of get restructured and put together. But we're, we're at a point where we're seeing they're just 
they're just pumping out so much content now, so many changes. We've had a bunch of a bunch of big economy changes that have kind of worked on stabilizing the economy a little bit, um, putting the incentives in the, the proper places. And there's actually an update coming today regarding that, where each uh, each league and each format is going to have their own SPS reward pool for for battles. So uh, I'm personally excited as somebody that likes to play in like modern diamond, modern champion. It's been hard to find battles up there because there just haven't been haven't been people pushing that high. And now that they're going to have their own, own reward pool, there's going to be a lot more incentives to climb and that type of thing. So, and how so, were the reward pools distributed beforehand? So before they, as far as the direct SPS rewards for battle, so you win a rank battle, you, you earn, you earn SPS. That was, it was just shared by, by the, all of the leagues for each format. So there's a pool for wild, which uses all the cards. There's a pool for modern, which uses just the, the last two sets. Um, but obviously you, you earn more if you were playing at a higher league, but players in bronze or silver could, could essentially drain the pool for, for even players in diamond champion. There was a, there was a fixed amount of pools. So the more people you had playing, the less you earn per, per player. So one of the things that we've, we've been kind of battling is some of the, like even some, some bot farms where people have decided that instead of growing their account and trying to, to climb higher leagues, it's better to grow out and grow to have 10 accounts, 20 accounts, some of them 10,000 accounts, whatever the case is, playing in the lower leagues. So now, like, bronze is going to have its own SPS pool. Silver is going to have its own SPS pool. So diamond players aren't going to be impacted if there's 200,000 bronze accounts down there. If there's a bunch of bronze accounts, all the bronze accounts will share those, those rewards and will try to try to have incentives to, to go ahead and push up to, to higher leagues or push up to diamond, push up to champion and combine those together to, to fight for, for higher leagues. So trying to, trying to get more incentives to push up. And then there's been some changes that have addressed that as well um, that have come out, but it's, it's kind of just a, a step-by-step approach and we're, we're slowly getting closer to having, having more incentives for players to, to really play it like a, like a normal game. I mean, when you're playing a web two game, you don't, you don't go out and get five different accounts instead of trying to, to progress a, a single account or something like that. So we want, we want to get that same feel. And uh, I feel like we're, we're getting close. That's awesome. Spoonless does a great job with the economy that, you know, that was clear about a year and a half ago when I, I was just getting into Splinterlands. And, you know, we, we saw what happened to Axie where the rewards tanked and, and S, you know, SLP tanked and, and the game kind of went with it. Obviously, the hack didn't help. But, you know, it, you know while Splinterlands is a fun game, and I, I would say it's more fun and more, certainly more intricate than Axie in terms of just how many possibilities there are. The rewards are still an important part for some of the economy and some of the player base. So getting that right is important just for the longevity of the game. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we're, we're luckily we've got somebody like Matt making all those, all those economy decisions. He's uh, he's got Splinterlands way ahead of other, other play to earn games in terms of economy and how things are balanced and doing some, some really revolutionary things. And it's uh, it, it feels like that's the last year. Um, maybe not quite a year, but there, there's been, been a lot of changes toward towards even stabilizing that and making yeah. it a true sustainable play to earn game. And I'm excited that it feels like we're, I mean, there's always going to be adjustments and things, but as far as major overhauls, it feels like we're kind of coming towards the end of, end of that. And then, then when that happens, 
Um, hopefully they're going to start looking at, at more like new player experience, player onboarding things, but they, they've said they don't want to work on player onboarding and, and setting up that, like uh, creating tutorials for new players and, uh, until the economy is actually set where it's going to be, because they want to build these, uh, like if you have a tutorial, when you start the game, it wants to teach you not only about the game, but about the economy and everything. And you've got to get that, got to get that set. Um, and so it's not constantly changing every month or so before you then go and build those, those player onboarding things. Yeah. Um, but once we get to a spot where, where everything's kind of stable and, and the economy's not changing, they can, they can really go focus on, on trying to, to pump up those player numbers and work on player attention and things like that. And that's when I feel like things can really explode. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, they, they did a bunch of marketing a while ago and it sounds like maybe the economy didn't do so well after that marketing. And, and they kind of took a step back and said, okay, we need to figure out how we can get this game to be set regardless of what the economy is. You know, obviously it's going to boom when the economy is booming. Um, is that true that, you know, that, cause they did do a bunch of marketing, but it sounds like they've kind of taken a step back, focused on the, the core economics of the game and, and will continue marketing when they, they feel like it's in a good place. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're still definitely making making all sorts of marketing pushes and and things like that. But it's the, the approach has certainly changed, and I I expect when when we look at maybe next year or so, when when things get more stable, marketing will really take it to a to a different level. But even like one of the new things coming, the the whitelist is coming on Thursday is the Rooney project, where it's a generative NFT project on Ethereum. And in, in a way, that's that's kind of a marketing push. Wonderlands is trying to appeal to those those yeah. NFT whales on Ethereum that that love those generative NFT projects and all those things. And there there's basically a, a there's a, a large large user base there, a lot of money there. And I think I think that's going to be fun because it, having a having a Splinterlands card that is your own card that is completely unique in the game that when you, you play it, you, every time you face somebody and you, and you see their, their rooting, it's a little bit different. I think that's going to be a cool concept. So I, I'm okay. certainly excited about that. I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, but you know, I was just going to say, right. All, all those, all those kids who decided they wanted to identify as a memeing monkey and became a millionaire <laughs> because of it. Uh, you're trying to appeal to them. Uh, but, but tell us more about Rooney's cause I, I don't know too much about it. Yeah. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be on Ethereum, and it's a it's a generative NFT. There's 6,500 of them, and it works kind of kind of the same as like your your bored apes or your crypto punks or something like that, where there are different traits that the that the Rooney has, and every time you each person that mints it, it's going to have going to have different traits. And they've they showed some of the artwork on the on the town hall yesterday. So there's there's some examples out there if anybody wants to go look at them. But they, they're kind of cool. There's some that are just like ridiculous, like one's holding a, a fish or a pickle as a weapon, and then there's some that are that are awesome and have these these swords and blood dripping from their armor and things. And it, and these are being sold or given away for free. So these are being um, they're being sold on Ethereum. So on on the 22nd is the whitelist. So they have 2000 whitelist spots that you can buy for hundred vouchers that will guarantee you a spot and gives you half off the purchase price. The full purchase price is $500. So if you get a whitelist, it's $250 plus hundred vouchers. Uh, vouchers are about 60 cents right now. That's approximate. I haven't necessarily checked this morning, but um, so, you, so you get a little bit of a, a discount there. But, but then yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a rush mint on on Ethereum. 
And then you can stake that, you can stake your Rooney on Ethereum and Splinterlands will delegate that to you in the game. So you'll have your own Rooney in the game. All the stats are all the same for every single card. It's a neutral card. So the, the stats don't change, but the look when you're playing it in battle will be different for, for every single person. Okay. Okay. I understand it. Yeah. It would be a little bit odd to sell them where, where, you know, the, the top card with the best traits was actually better than the others. Um, yeah. I think they probably considered that from, a you know, getting people to mint it, but that actually may have fringed on a security offering. Um, I know that is just such a big deal here. Um, we, we talked about a little bit of like last week, um, but they don't want to sell this as a security, right? It's not, it's not being marketed as a security. It's not a security. Um, and that, well, I can't say that. So that's not financial advice, but uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely interesting uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's primary, primary utility is, is being a playing card in the game. Um, so it's just trying to hit a, a different market and try to attract some of those players to, to Splinterlands. So yeah, as far as the security stuff, that's, I, I mean, uh, I'm obviously Splinterlands doesn't want to, they're, they're very strict as far as trying to make sure they're complying with not only the current laws, but any, any stricter laws that they feel like might be coming. Um, that's a huge part of, of everything that goes way over my head. Yeah. Um, and we I've actually had, we talk about that quite frequently on here. Uh, almost every week, there are new regulations or new things being considered for crypto and NFTs. Most of the time for consumer protection, but you know, one can only assume whether it's for consumer protection or uh, the government wants to find another way to make some more money. So you know, it's a little bit of a toss-up. A little bit of a toss-up. Yeah, and I've uh, I've been meeting with the I, I've. I'm actually launching my own generative NFT collection. And I had several meetings with Splitterlands where I had to, to scratch some things and change some things uh, because they wanted to make sure I wasn't offering a security. So there, there is so much stuff there. And I, I don't even, I can't come close to understanding it all. It's just, okay, I do, I do what I'm told and what, what I'm allowed to do. And I go from there. Yeah. That's what the, that's what the lawyers are for. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, continuing on here, speaking of personal content creation, so developing your own gener generative NFT collection, how has your personal content creation been going as a full-time community manager for Splinterlands? I know we kind of talked about this a little bit when you were last on here on how maybe that work-life balance would be. How has that been for you? Have you kept up? Have you found yourself just delving way more into working with Splinterlands and those players rather than just producing your own content? Oh, the focus is definitely on, on Splinterlands. That's, that's certainly, um, number one. So I haven't, like, there was a brief period of time where I was full-time as a content creator. I'm not putting out as much content as I was then, but I'm, I'm still getting quite a bit out there. So got a lot of Splinterlands videos, still playing other, other games, streaming, generally two to two to three other games. I'll check out per week mm -hmm. and do some streams on them and post some short form videos. Uh, I've been, been trying to work on, on growing my Twitter has been a big focus recently and putting more of the videos directly on Twitter and instead of YouTube, because Twitter actually seems to be a little more friendly there. Um, but, but no, it's, it's still going pretty well and, and the, the channel and everything keeps, uh, keeps growing and expanding. That's great. That's great. Speaking of growth, 
Splinterlands has seen some tremendous growth and has has had a lot happening in in the past month and beyond now, as you've described. How do you see the growth of Splinterlands from here on out? You know, you've you've mentioned how they're just they keep growing, keep adding on, and um, and and I guess you guys were talking a little bit about a marketing step from a little while ago that maybe wasn't too successful, but seems like that they've kind of honed in, focused down, and then now they've come out stronger than ever. Uh, you know, for you as community manager with with the community, how do you see the growth of this game uh, moving on as you have an upcoming NFT project that's going to give out individual cards? I mean, I, and I know this is a pretty general question. What is what is the growth? Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of kind of vague. So, in your own way, how do you see the growth? What's going on? Oh, I think there. Uh, Growth overall hasn't been hasn't been all that great over the past few months, but I mean a lot of that's just market conditions, and we're in a bear market, and it feels like we're doing a, a lot better than than a lot of other um, a lot of other projects that are even struggling to to stay afloat. So it's it's all about building right now, and just just kind of really taking advantage of. I mean, it, it kind of sounds cliche, but you. Here, the building in a bear market. There's a there's a lot of a lot of the economy changes that we're making would be hard to make in a bull market when when everybody's everybody's making money and, and that type of thing. And almost every change that Splinterlands makes now goes through a, a DAO vote where SPS stakeholders vote on changes they want to see. And if ever if everybody's making a ton of money and 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 uh, is seeing ton of growth that way, it's it's hard to. To convince people to make uh, make changes where where things might not be as stable down the line, but mm-hmm. you get in this t- type of economy and and you can kind of work on on cleaning things up and getting getting things fixed and more stable, so that we can scale when the when the next boom hits, whether it's because of a, a market boom and an overall bull run, or Splinterlands has has so many things coming. I mean, we've got they're even launching they're launching new games like Tower Defense with pre sales today. They're launching completely separate projects outside of Splinterlands. We've got Genesis League Sports. They've got uh, that white paper dropped. Was it was it last week? It was it was recently. Mm-hmm. But that's partnered with the Major League Soccer Association, and it's mm-hmm. set up to partner with lots of other major leagues. So I don't I don't personally know who's going to to partner there, but they they are fully expecting to partner with other major leagues, whether it's in the MLB, NFL, whatever the case is. And there are a whole bunch of different target audiences that uh, that they can potentially pull from. So you never know what's going to be the thing that, that kind of blows up, but it could be, a, I mean, it could be something where, oh, now they've got an NFL partnership and that, even though we're not in a bull market, that blows up and brings in a bunch of players. And then they, they see it's associated with Splinterlands and people come over from there. And the, the reality is the, like with Splinterlands, there, there's not really I mean, there's a lot of cards, but when you look at it from an overall perspective, I, th- I think like with our latest set, if there's only enough, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but like 15,000 maxed out decks or something like that. Wow. So, so it, it doesn't take, I mean, you just, you just get one, one decent growth spurt mm-hmm. and everybody combining those cards, trying to grow and things just, just take off and it can sm- snowball from there. So you never really know what's going to be that spark. Um, but they yeah. just keep building and, and giving themselves more opportunities and and something I feel like something's going to hit and, and cause that spark that, that starts things again. We talked a little bit about this last time actually. 
how the, the future of Splinterlands wasn't about Splinterlands. It was about the, the additional games that they were going to build and then tie into their economy. Right. And, you know, we, we, I kind of, we kind of knew that was the case and, and happening, but it's really coming to fruition now. I had no idea about the uh, tower defense game. That sounds exciting. You know, I, I talked to you about it a little bit last week and told you it's my dad's favorite type of game. Uh, he played this game called Defense Grid endlessly. So I think I can actually get him into it uh, and, and see if he likes it. That'll be a lot of fun. But but tell us a little bit about Tower Defense. Uh, you know, wh- how does it act as an NFT game? Right? Is it multiplayer? You know, as much as you can spill. So uh, right now it's just uh, it's PVE. So there's no there's no multiplayer or anything like that. PVP will come. Guilds will come or are scheduled for. I think on the roadmap it's like Q4 next year. So it's it's down the line. It, it will come eventually, but it's not it's not immediate. Um, they will use their own their own NFTs. So th- that presale starts today, where they've got their own packs, where there's heroes, towers, and um, and items, and then they will use like a, a little bit of Splinterlands NFTs as well. You can stake Splinterlands NFTs into your tower to actually make it a little more powerful. So there's there's some um, there's some crossover there, and then it's going to to utilize all the same currencies and and really kind of help stabilize the the economy because you're going to be able to you're going to be able to use DEC, and so like that's that's one thing that that's kind of that Splinterlands is doing that almost nobody else is they have their what's well, basically a stable coin in DEC that's backed by products. Mm-hmm. So you can buy like right now, cast packs are in the store for, for $4 and you can, you can use PayPal to buy them for $4 or you can buy them with 4,000 DEC regardless of what the DEC price is. So if, if price, the DEC price starts to fall, that means you get a discount on those packs. Mm-hmm. Well, right now, right now there's really not a ton of interest in chaos packs. Um, especially with all these other things coming out. People want Rift Watchers. People want the, these other things. Uh, so DEC's fallen a little bit, but now you'll be able to do that same thing with Tower Defense Packs. So that's a, another, that's a second product to help kind of stabilize that that price. And that's what's going to be be really cool is as they start to add more and more games. I mean, if, if you look down in the future and there's 10 or 15 Splinterlands games that all, all utilize that same currency, that, that really helps stabilize that value and gives people more confidence in it because you, you only need a few of them to be in high demand at any time to, to stabilize that price. Yeah. So having more games to, to kind of stabilize the economy, there's going to be more ways to, to burn SPS, to burn vouchers. I say burn SPS. I think it actually goes to the Dow when SPS is spent in the tower defense scheme. Okay. Um, vouchers get burned. So more, more uses for all these, all these tokens that they've already established. Yep. And so, does the Genesis soccer project also use SPS and DEC? No, it's going, it has its own, own set of tokens. Every, okay. every game in Genesis league will use the, will use their currency. So it, it'll work kind of the same way where you've got a bunch of different games backing those, uh, those yeah. currencies and everything, but that's, that's a separate, separate yeah. thing. That, that certainly makes sense. You know, there's no dark energy crystals on a soccer pitch. So, uh, but, either, you know, they're going to take the same approach, right? They're just going to create a whole new economy. Uh, basically, probably a carbon copy of Splinterlands, but, you know, they need branded tokens to fit the sports world. Um, so it, it, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it's kind of it's kind of cool because you can see them start kind of kind of start from fresh there and do some of the things. I mean, they, Splinterlands has learned a lot and four years or five years. So 
they get to kind of take all those same concepts, but make some of the tweaks that, that maybe they can't make with Splinterlands because it's so hard to change when it's already, already moving and you can just start, start from fresh, um, start fresh and, and kind of redo little things. So like, for example, one of the things is secondary sales on, in the, the Genesis sports will actually have a, a 2%. So in Splinterlands, it's a, it's a 5% fee but it goes yep. to it goes to the uh the interface wherever you go buy them at well in genesis league it's going to be a two percent fee to the dow and then the the fee the additional fee will go to the the interface they're, they're taking some of that for the dow to give some some revenue is, there. is this a new dow or the same split alliance dow it'll be the, it'll be a new one. Oh, okay, okay. so they'll have their they'll have a new uh, yeah. uh they'll have a new token and is uh, this being built on Hive? Yes. Interesting. So they'll Interesting. have their own govern. They'll have their own governance token. Their own validator licenses, and they are rewarding those who, um, like SPS holders, will be airdropped the some of the GLX token for for Genesis League. Some of the license holders in Splinterlands, the the validator node license holders, will be airdropped some validator license nodes for the for the genesis league so they're rewarding some of some people from splinterlands and trying to give incentives for them to to go try out the new new economy as well but it it will be its own thing makes sense building on the ip of splinterlands is certainly a step that we've seen in some other larger companies maybe in web 2 if i want to classify them as that one of these top companies being Riot Games. They've literally split themselves out into various projects, but the only difference is, is that you know, they don't have uh, an internal economy to share between all of their different IPs and games that incentivize players to keep on playing. Right, A lot of these bigger titles and games from AAA publishers tend to rely on games usually being free these days, offering in-game in customizations via microtransaction. And then, you know, once those microtransactions are out of the shop, they're out of the shop. But then there's no way for players to rent out or sell said skins. You're just stuck with them in your inventory, which is why people will then create, you know, multiple accounts in League of Legends of a special legendary epic whatever skin is out. And then all of a sudden you've got five accounts with this one skin. You hop onto eBay and it's like, oh, yeah, buy this account to get this one very very specific skin for this one character because i have it on this burner account to sell off i mean you know if it was a lot easier said and done for a large game gaming company like that to be like we're going to turn all our microtransactions actually into blockchain transactions and then make it so that there's an internal economy rather than an external economy when it comes to selling off skins between between uh, accounts I think that'd be huge. However, I don't think it's what they've built uh, their game on for people to start having internal economies and make, you know, trying to make something off of, I guess, other players. In this case, in, in League, it'd be RP. Um, you know, they, they have their internal currencies for microtransactions, which, you know, it's, it's sort of there. But uh, I don't think their economy is in any way, shape, or form ready to all of a sudden switch over to a blockchain model, uh, such as Splinterlands is doing successfully with all of these different games, tying everything together and into a nice, neat little package with a bow. I, I, I like it. I like the uh, the crossover. 
Well, and and that's going to be a big selling point for Splinterlands because like the, the tower defense scheme is actually not the game itself is not developed by Splinterlands. It's being developed by Double Coconut. So they've got a different game studio that's coming in. And that's ha- having a stable play to earn economy and everything is going to be a, a big selling point and being able to to attract some of the, these game studios because you, you've seen how many games out there have failed to develop their, their own economy. That it's it's not an easy thing. So many games think, oh, we can just take this game and throw it up on blockchain and, and it'll work and sell some tokens. And it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. So having a stable economy where you can market to a game like, okay, hey, you want to be you want to be web three, you can come over, you can you can develop the game and design the game and then put it within our ecosystem and we'll run the blockchain, the back end and the economy and all of that. And that can be a, a huge, huge thing for, for Splinterlands and a huge way to grow. Yeah. Uh, one, one game I think did that is State and Arena, right? Their economy was not as designed <laughs> as, do you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit? Oh, I mean, yeah. Cause they were, they were basically a, uh, they, they kind of ported a, a web two game over. And the game successful it's, one, right? Yeah, the the game itself. I mean, it, it wasn't like a, a massive game or anything like that. But I think they had like ten million downloads in Web two or something like that. And the game, the gameplay itself, and the game is is fun and it works really well. But they just have, uh, I mean, in my opinion, that the the economy was not set up. That was a game I covered on my channel, and yeah. I was kind of expecting to make it my my number two game and, and play it on a regular basis. And it uses that model that so many games have tried to use that I think because of Axie, but where you, you just have a, you have a utility token that's not backed by anything that has an unlimited mint potential. And then you even throw in like breeding and things like that, where you can generate almost unlimited number of NFTs and, and things like that. Th- think Arena is a little different than that model, but, but still kind of based on that, on that same thing. And the, they just had too many problems with the with the economy and and yeah. I, in my opinion didn't seem like they knew they they really understood that side of it very well so that was why i left there and uh dec is not unlimited is it is it well it so so right now i mean i mean technically it is but yeah. it's only produced at the only way so so there's two ways that it's minted it's minted through lp rewards which are 70 million sps a month I, I'm not 100% on that number, but that's going to be close. Um, so th- so it, it's a fixed amount that, that's printed. So, And then it can, also be, it can also be minted when you burn SPS. So if that's basically a way to prevent the, the value of DEC from going over its peg. So you can burn $1 in SPS to get a thousand DEC. I think it's actually 975. They put in a little bit of a buffer there. 975 DEC, which is which is worth when at peg about a dollar. But if that, if it were to go over peg, then that would be a positive exchange and people would then start burning SPS to mint more DEC if that was if that was needed. Because there there are there are places where you where you will need that. Whether it's for example burning it on guild buildings or other places there are some burn mechanics there. Yeah. Um but so if if it gets too high in value, it actually transfers that value to the SPS by burning the governance token, which has which has no limit. So so theoretically, it's it's unlimited, but there's there's only so much that can be produced at a, at a time. Last That's time we, last time we chatted, Waka Spirit Blade had just been revealed. It was a big card, 
Now, when you go onto Splinterlands, uh, if you try to click on that promo page, they're like, it's only available in the store now. They're sold out, and I'm not surprised. Seeing how how well I uh, now tell me if I'm wrong. That seemed to go well in terms of selling and and people being excited. And uh, can we expect to see more future collabs from celebrities or other artists wanting to be a part of the game in a more physical <laughs> physical digital form uh, as as a as a card? I, I do expect you'll see more. Yes, there was plans for another one who I I don't know who it was, um, but apparently like it actually fell through because they they got it they got into some trouble so they had some bad pr around mm. them so they ended up ended up canceling that one i've always been curious who that actually was but yeah, i'll, I'll never Arkele. find that out <laughs> probably not probably not but uh there there's some some mixed things on the on the waka sale because they they split the sale up in two they did uh half of the sale in game mm-hmm. and then half of the sale on wax that's right and i think the point was to kind of a appeal to to like Waka's fans who maybe didn't have a Splinterlands account or know how to buy it in game or whatever and they could go buy it on wax well it sold out almost instantly in game like less than a minute maybe or a few minutes I don't know the exact time frame but essentially immediately sold out but then on wax it did not sell at all I mean they sold like it was like 10 copies or something like that I don't know the exact number but they actually ended up just burning all of those on, on wax. And so they kind of, I think they learned that they need to do those sales in game there. So uh, I think was there a some... reason they didn't, they split it. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, again, I think it was just to be able to, to appeal to walk as fans. So they had an easier place to buy more people are familiar with wax. Wax is kind of easier to, to, to jump into and, and buy and and then on on wax it had the like the snapchat filters and and some of those features and things like that so there was a really cool snapchat thing but yeah. uh so so that part didn't go too well the card didn't really as far as performance in the game hasn't been all that great which probably didn't didn't help things either necessarily it's not a terrible card, but it's it's not one that people would consider like a. It's not one that's highly sought after for its ability. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. There, I don't have data, so I I don't want to necessarily speak facts. But it, it yeah. didn't really appear as if Waka was, as far as marketing on that side, was generating much um, from Waka's fans. So I, I don't know. Didn't a lot of people think that didn't necessarily go all that all that great? But Splinterlands learned. Again, they're they're doing things that, that basically nobody's nobody's done before, and they're they're kind of trying things out. So some of this is trial and error, and, and see how it goes. So I think they definitely learned a lot and how to to conduct those sales a little bit better. So I, I do expect there'll be some more of those promo types, and I think it'll go a little smoother next time as they as they learn what worked with Waka and what did. Is it fair to say that you know with cards like this coming out that might be highly sought after? that you know maybe purposely making them not the best in terms of competitive performance is is i would argue better for the economy in some way shape or form um because i guess you can see this with other card games too it and it's like you said this is something that splinterlands is doing 
that a lot of others aren't. Now, Magic the Gathering every now and then decides to do a cross collab with, uh, you know, right now they're really big into like taking a, a certain brand of a game and then dropping it as like a skin onto a card that's already existed. Um, and, you know, some of these cards may have competitive value, but a lot of them don't really have too much value to them. Um, I would say that, you know, this could lead to the market uh, being so caught up in like this one very specific card, right? Trying to become, depending on where you'd want to put it in your deck in Splinterlands. I remember playing a little while back and um, you, you've kind of got like your, I can't remember the exact positioning or what it's called, but you've got that one specific card that uh, kind of stands out on the field as, um, I'm trying to remember what you call it. Uh, it's like to the right on your game board and then you've got the rest of your the rest of your cards that you pick for the session that go out in a specific so you, order. Your summoner is that the your summoner? Thank yeah. you. Yes. So you've got your summoner, and I, I I feel like right away that's like that's the first idea that would pop into my head when producing a card that would be you know a special edition of some kind or a, a collaboration. It would mainly be designed as some type of summoner. However. You know, it would be cool to see maybe a card that comes out that's a cross collab with somebody that maybe isn't considered a summoner um, that could have some really great play inside of a inside of a you know set of cards when when on the field. Um, I don't I don't know what your take on that would be, but you know, is it a good uh, would it be a good or bad idea for a cross collab to come out that would be so competitively good that it would drive the market to like have everyone trying to buy those as much as possible? I mean, it's, I think it kind of depends on, depends on what you're trying to do. I don't think I would want specific cards like that to necessarily be, be considered the best cards or anything like that. Um, but with, with Splinterlands, what you can, what you can do, there's so many different, different rule sets and mana caps and, and just different battle conditions. It's true. That I think a lot of times when you're trying to create these cards, you're trying to find cards that might be extremely good but in in niche situations or, or something like that so it's like okay in this in this rule set like okay this is a great card and you want to have this card but it's not it's not something that breaks the game or is overpowering because most of the time you're not playing in that in that rule set so it drives people to, to really want that card for the one situation and makes it stand out without having it overpowered gotcha okay okay but then, like when they're developed, like for for example, Rooney's that they that they are selling, they wanted that to be because that's again that's kind of your unique thing that each person has a different one. They wanted that to be a card that's played frequently, so they made it a they made it a it's it's not necessarily overpowered, but it's a neutral card that has a lot of versatility. So it's a card that will get used very frequently. So so people will see that on the out on the battlefield a lot. So that was something they wanted to get a lot of vis visibility that way. So. It just kind of depends on what their what their aim is or what the goal is for any any certain card. And Splinterlands is preparing for the cosmetic changes of of cards being individualized, so to speak, or in game are the cards going to appear similar? I guess is the the big question. Yeah. No, each in game your your Rooney card will will reflect what it actually looks like on gotcha. on Ethereum. So so yes, okay. everyone will, will look different. So. You'll be able to recognize playing certain people, especially up in like Diamond Champion League, where there's not a ton of players. So you get very familiar with your opponents and who you're playing, mm. and it'll, uh, I'm sure it'll, it'll be cool when you see it out on the battlefield. Like, oh yeah, I know, I know that's such and such as card or, or whatever the case is. 
So, so yeah, I look forward to that kind of personalization aspect. Yeah, that's pretty cool to be able to be like, oh yeah, I know this person. Uh, I know them well. You know, after many facing them many times on ladder and trying to just get the dub or be like, yeah, I beat this person all the time. I see the same thing over and over and over again, and it doesn't change. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, it's always fun to to be a part of that and see uh, sort of like a signature of somebody. And so that that's that is a really cool aspect of this project. I'm also curious with the release of this uh, Rooney project. Did they wait purposely till after the merge, or was it just coincidental that the merge was occurring around the same time uh, right now? You know, as, as this project I, I coming out. I think it was just coincidental. I don't. I don't actually know that, but no. For for the most part, I don't. I don't really feel like Splinterlands has really delayed things or tried to time things with the market or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. They're they're more just get it. As soon as we get it done, let's put it out. Um, a lot of times they, they even talk about what they call an MVP approach, the minimum viable product. And they'll, they'll just kind of get a first, first version of things out, see how it goes and, and how stable it is, and then make upgrades uh, as they go, which is, which is a little different than and some. like It's nice because things kind of get here faster that way. Sure. But as, sometimes as community manager, it can kind of be... <laughs> kind of be rough a little bit because when you see like a, a more traditional web two game, a lot of times like they don't even start marketing what's coming or like if an expansion is coming to the game, they like completely fit Like the expansion is basically done before then they start marketing and they schedule the release out a few months or whatever the case is. Oh yeah. Um, Splinterlands will like, as soon as they've got a concept of what they're working on, sometimes it's, it's like they'll, they'll kind of throw it out there. And, and you've got things like land and boss fights that, that Splinterlands has mentioned are, are coming for, for a while, but that's, it's taken a long time. They're not here yet. So people then get impatient when they're, when they're waiting for these things and, and that type of thing. And you don't know exactly when it's coming or anything like that. So it, it's a little bit of a different approach, but I do like how things, things get here, get here quicker. And uh, it's just, it's just kind of whenever it get whenever it gets here, it gets here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know the feeling, I know the feeling it's uh, sometimes a, a premature announcement of, of some kind can, can bring, Lots of excitement, and then it can also bring frustration when folks do not see uh, results sooner than expected. So I, I feel you there. I feel you there. At least I'm not on the dev team. I can I can imagine there's <laughs> sometimes the when somebody's like, oh yeah, that all we're gonna work on this, and it'll be maybe a month, and I can just imagine the dev team is who's the one actually coding it. Like a month? What are you doing to us? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's tough. That's tough. But hey, Bulldog, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and for for hanging out with myself and Jacob. I know Jacob, he, he always gets a kick out of this. So always the the Splinterlands chatter. It's it's not often that we get to really go into such deep depths about Splinterlands, and so it's an honor to be able to have you on here with us today to to be able to chat with you and and you know it, it's amazing to see where where you've been where you've grown where you where you're going and hopefully maybe in another 30 episodes here on esports forever we can have you on once again and see how things are going from there maybe maybe community manager is just in in your past at that point and uh, as the community keeps growing and as the game keeps developing 
Hey, I appreciate you you having me on here. And yeah, we'll we'll see where where things go, how fast Wonderlands expands, and uh, and what all opportunities there will be. So it's gonna be fun. Well, thank you to all of you for watching today, watching this video, taking a listen on Spotify, some of our broadcasting platforms. If you enjoyed this video or this uh, podcast today, please drop us a follow, subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff for now. That's all we got time for today. Until next time, we're out. See you then.